All right. So episode what, Riv? Episode what? Hurry up. He does. You know what? Know. You need to. Uh, you need to quit asking me these questions. Okay. I'm you not just, uh, usually prepared. Uh, you know, the first minute into the show, you just show but up. It, you just but it is uh, episode. I think 28. Very no. excited. Almost at no. We're it's not. So tw- it's episode 29. What's up, That's, Elliot? Not much. What's going on with you guys? Happy New Year. Happy New Year to you as well. Um, I, I look. You were asking Craig a question right off the start. You want to produce the first bit of this show? Fire away. I, look, it's it's a big topic, the Winter Classic and the temperature. So, shoot. Well, the, the question I have is, uh, so watching the game the other night, the biggest difference between that 03 game, which was sort of the trial run, which is the one that really started it all, the granddaddy of them all, the Rose Bowl of outdoor games, was Montreal-Edmonton in, in my first year of Hockey Night in November 2003. And if you look at the the thing they've learned the most in 20 years, it's, you know, when it's that cold, now they know what to do with the ice. They learn. They said, okay, this is what we learned from that day about extreme cold and how to do it. And I remember, Craig, the ice was brittle. It was really brittle. It was and terrible. There, and there were a lot of rumors about whether or not the Oilers and the Canadians were going to play that day. And the story I've always heard is that, the players got together and said, we can't not play this game. It's it's too big, but we're going to do a no-hitter, and we're going to make this as easy as we can on each other. And I've always wondered, what's the truth? What what really happened? Um, I think the biggest concern mm-hmm. was not necessarily the cold. <laughs> and when I say it was cold, mm-hmm. it was... I was cold. there. It was bone chilling. Cold. Yeah. Mm-hmm. That being said, I, I, the biggest concern was the ice, the, the ice. It was so cold in Edmonton at that time that if you had a, you know, a 200, 220 pound ca- guy making a, making a quick turn, he was not just cutting through the ice. He was taking chunks, like big chunks out of the ice. Mm-hmm. And it got to the point where I think the ice conditions were dangerous. And that that was the concern. It wasn't whether we wanted to play because of how cold it was, because we would have played in even colder weather. It was just the environment for the very first time, the Heritage Classic, you know, 60,000 people, uh, you know, in the stands bundled up with, you know, layers upon layers to try and keep warm because as a player, I, it was extremely cold. Mm -hmm. When I say you, you left the bench, you went out for your 45 second to a minute shift. It was the first probably time in NHL history that you had every single guy try and keep a shift under 35 seconds because that's how <laughs> cold it was. You'd go back to the bench and we had these great big heaters and blowers where it was blowing so much hot air that you started to sweat. And that's mm-hmm. not a good thing when you're playing outside. Okay. You don't want to sweat. And we would go back on the ice, but it, it, the biggest thing was the danger of the ice. And I can still remember this to this day that, um, the, um, the, the old timers, the, um, the, the alumni, alumni game, yeah, the alumni game, um, you know, just re- remembering like Guy Lafleur and Wayne Gretzky and Paul coffees and, you know, you name it, you just go down the line. It was incredible watching these guys play but they tore the ice up. I think I'm not, 
I'm, I think it was the day before. If yes, I'm not it was. Mistaken. Yeah. yeah. So I remember skating, you know, and the ice was terrible. Like they, they, they shredded it and uh, it wasn't good. Um, the biggest concern was the ice conditions and not the cold. Yeah. Um, and that was the, the, that was the biggest concern that someone was going to get injured in the game. I do not remember because it's almost 20 years ago. I do <laughs> not remember if we agreed on no hitting because I just, uh, why'd you lay somebody out? You laid somebody out, didn't you? I, I'm not, I'm, I'm going to tell you this. It was too cold to hit. You did not want to hit. You really did not want to hit. You were out there and this was a NHL game that was played, but it was so cold. And I'm going to tell you, every single one of us had a huge smile on our face mm-hmm. because we went back, you know, some of us 10, you know, 15 years, like we were little kids again out on the outdoor rink. And it, the atmosphere and everything leading up to that day was incredible. Hmm. Why, Elliot? What, what, uh, I mean, what, what sparks that conversation for you? Did someone say yeah. it was like a, a just, no hit. No, just like watching the uh, well, one of the players told me that um, there was an agreement. Like you know, like, like basically they were told, "Do you guys?" You, and and the players' association they're responsible for player safety, right? And they and they told them, you know, it might not be safe to play. And the players said, "We can't not do it." And one of them jokingly said to me, "We agreed that nobody was going to hit anybody else." And I'm just wondering if you remember what those conversations were like uh, in terms of whether or not you play or not, Craig. Well, I remember there's a lot of discussion about, in particular, the ice, yeah. because the ice was really bad. And, mm-hmm. you know, you're, you're playing at such a high level. You're playing for, for two points. Um, you didn't want to toe pick yourself into the boards and get hurt. Like that was the biggest concern was the ice conditions was not good back then. We're we're talking 20 years ago. Mm -hmm. It was a trial, you know, the first time an outdoor game, you know, had ever, ever been played. And, um, I think that was the concern. I don't think the concern, I I do not remember anyone telling me that I couldn't hit. No, Um, it's not, it's not that you couldn't hit it. Like it's just that we're not going to go out of our way to go hitting. Yeah. Listen, I'm going to tell you this. I mean, I don't, those, those kinds of conversations, Elliot, for, for, for a guy like Craig, that goes in one ear and out the other. He's like, don't even tell him. Are you kidding? They're probably like, don't even bring that up. They had had George LaRock. They had some really big boys on the other side. So it would have been in favor for the Montreal Canadians not to hit. (laughs) Um, I will tell you that. I, I just remember it was so cold. And I loved every minute of it because I'm an, I'm a Northern boy through and through. And, uh, you know, I skated as a young kid in, in those, uh, in that environment at that, how, at that temperature, mm-hmm. I remember being on the ice when I was a kid, I mean, bone chilling. So mm-hmm. this to me, I had the most fun I've probably ever had in an NHL game Mm -hmm. because it didn't feel like an NHL game. It didn't feel like we were actually playing an NHL game. It felt like it was just kind of like a big entertainment spectacle. You know, we snapped it around and it, it was, it was a lot of fun though. It was a lot of fun to be a part of it. 
What uh, what's the feedback from this one, Elliot? How did players feel about the temperatures? Because this was colder than that. It was cold. There's no question about that. That uh, it was it was cold, cold, cold. No, was no it colder about. though? Because I remember we had a certain temperature. I can't remember what it was, but with the wind chill in Edmonton that day, it, I, I do. I I do was, think that the temperature was colder here, but the wind chill was colder there. Yeah, that's that's what I think. I remember I bought a pair of stylish boots for that one. They were Doc Martens. They just were not warm enough for that game. My feet, tax tax write off. It wasn't so. My feet were blocks of ice on the at the at the alumni game on the Saturday, and then I ended up going by and buying and buying a new pair of boots for the next day because I realized I had made a mistake. Is this so? Is this something that the league will consider going forward? I mean, the, this the Winter Classic isn't going to go away. I would no, imagine. No, no, so, no, 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 it's too good. So, do these temperatures that that they had over the weekend um, do they make anybody nervous going forward for future events? I don't I, like. I think you know if you're playing on January first, then you 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 don't you're at the mercy of wherever you could be, right? And you know, one of the things that that kind of happens, guys, is that you know some of the they've talked about going to Florida before. Like Florida really wants to have a a Lightning Panthers New Year's game, but you just know that in that situation you can't do it on January first. That's why they kind of moved it uh, into other. Sorry, they, they can't do it on January first. The one thing I did notice this time is they moved it to seven o'clock and there were some people saying, well, how come it's at seven o'clock and not at 1230 or one o'clock. And I think they finally realized that they have too much trouble with the sun. They had trouble with the sun in Tahoe. They had trouble with the sun in Winnipeg. And I think they've just finally said, you know what, if we're going to do it at seven o'clock, we're going to, we're going to have a better chance with the weather. And I I get that. I, I do. It's not going anywhere. It's too big a deal. Yeah, how, how big of a money maker is is that for the NHL? Put it this way, Craig. I have a feeling that that game was getting played no matter what. Like, it, like, like if there would have been one game played in two months because of COVID, it was going to be the Winter Classic. Yeah. Well, <laughs> you know, you, you talk about and one game. And they spend a lot on it too. So, so what you're you saying, Elliot, is they were going to cover up the COVID positive tests under any circumstances. That's to play not that what game. he's saying, Rev. <laughs> I, I, I can't believe I, I will it. Say, I That's will say what this. I'm saying. <laughs> I will say this, Rev. I was surprised that St. Louis played Edmonton on the Thursday night. I, I was. Yeah. Uh, I was just a in bit case, surprised. right? Just in case. You know, Minnesota, once they had their game on the 27th postponed, they were free. And so Winter Classic, I was surprised that Edmonton and St. Louis played. Let's uh, let's talk about Edmonton for a second. Um, yeah. You know they have gone on quite a slide. I think at one point they were sixteen and five in the record, and now I think they're what eighteen and twelve. Maybe I think it is if I if I if I'm correct. Is there is I've been reading is Tippett on the hot seat? Is he going to be is he going to be fired? I I mean the one thing I, I do think there is that you know the the pressure is growing. There's there's no question about that. Um, you know, I definitely think that's the case, you know, a month ago, as you said, I think we were all saying, okay, it's not like they're going to coast to the playoffs, but you really like the position that Edmonton's in. Yeah. And now, you know, Calgary passed them last night and, you know, with their win and they've got games in hand, 
all of a sudden you're in Edmonton, you're in the wild card two position and you're in a dogfight. And I don't think anybody expected it to change that quickly uh, right away. And I, I do think the pressure is growing there. Like you can't, you can't not go to the playoffs if you're the Oilers. It, it, it's not, it's not an option. And, you know, the, the Babcock rumors came out last weekend. Uh, Ken Holland threw cold water on them when I reached out to him. But I think that is indicative of the pressure that they are under to make sure they make the playoffs this year. Failure is not an option. What is going on? Where are their weaknesses? You know, when you have go and state arguably the two best players, Mm-hmm. In the world, on the same team, we all know that the game of hockey is is won and lost by a team, okay, yeah. a full team. And and you know, I I look through their lineup. It's not like they do not have some really good hockey players. What is the what is the reasoning? Are the, are they blaming it on the depth right now? Um, I think that's that. De- well, first of all, you know, Smith has been hurt, and he got hurt again. And, you know, I, I think they've had, you know, Koskinen's given them an odd good game here or there. Um, Skinner's given them some good games here and there. But generally, when they don't have Smith, um, they, really, they, they really struggle. And, you know, now he's, again, he's hurt again. Um, they said that, uh, you know, it's day-to-day. But the last time he was day-to-day, it was a while. So, you know, I, I think that that's part of the thing that they're worried about. I'm just, you know. So are we talking thing, about the 40-year-old the, the goaltender is the savior for Edmonton? He was last year. He had an MVP-level season last year. But the, the, what you just said there is, is the key, right? When you're banking on a 40-year-old goaltender, you just don't know what you're going to get or what you're not going to get. Yeah. Look, when like one of the things I'm just looking up here is – um, you know, Edmonton this year, when McDavid and Dreisaitl are not on the ice at five on five, it looks like they're getting outscored two to one. That's concerning. Yes. That is, that's, so re- they- that's really concerning when you're talking about building a team for the playoffs and to win. See, the thing is like, but have they and, done and- some patchwork there too? You know, you you're you're bringing in uh, you know Duncan Keith, who is in, in my impression, he's going to be a Hall of Famer. He yeah. is fantastic, oh, he's but he's also yeah. how old is he? Thirty-seven, maybe thirty-seven, thirty-eight. I mean, that's uh, if that's what they're banking on. I think they're in 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 the wrong direction. You know, Cody Cece they brought in um, to try and stabilize a defense core. He's another one that maybe hasn't uh, panned out you know, as, as, as much as what they would like. Um, I, I just, you know, they have some very talented hockey players, but uh, it just seems like they, you know, there's a lot of pressure. I, I, I just, I wonder if Connor McDavid and, and guys like Dreisaitl can handle the pressure, but the players that are behind these players, I think they feel a tremendous amount of player too. And I'm not sure if they can handle what's going on right now. Because there is a lot of focus because you have two of the best players in the world on your team and you're, and you're not winning games. Well, as you guys know, when you have two players like that, what's the key? The key is that everybody else doesn't get filled in. If everybody else can play to 
then you're going to be okay, right? Because you think that those two players are going to dominate. You can't handle being outscored two to one when those guys are not on the ice. So let's let's ask. Let me ask you the ridiculous question: When does the Connor McDavid uh, misery clock start? Oh God! You know, well, you know that one's always uh, one that's going to be a lot of fun to answer. Look, I, like I, I think this, like. Look, you you see that guy. He he absolutely cannot stand to lose. He absolutely hates losing. And you know, I, I think it look, if they miss the playoffs this year, it's trouble. I I'm not coming What kind of here. trouble are you what kind well, of trouble are we talking? Like McDavid not, asking for a trade type I'm trouble? I'm not coming on here and saying that. There's just no way I'm doing that because it's it's such a firestorm. In, until I like a couple years ago, I went on the air and I said they have two years to get it right, and they were going in the right direction. And so I kind of put that away. Let's see what happens first. I, I'm not. If I come on here and I say they missed the playoffs, McDavid asked for a trade, it's just a disaster. And so let's see how it all plays out. Well, look, look. I, I... What I say and certainly. And the other thing too, and Andrew, is that I don't know that that, like, the honest truth is, I haven't asked him. If I was ever going to come on here and say that, I will have asked him first. You, you mean ask McDavid? Yeah. Well, okay, so look. And he's not going to answer that question right now. Anyway. He would never, he'll never answer that question, even if he right. is miserable. I mean, yeah. you know, I mean, you just saw, like, I, I, I said, uh, I think on here, or maybe even on our old live show, that I, it, it's not an indictment on McDavid or Dreisaitl. It's, it, it's that even it's going to be hard, even with those two players, to lure free agents to Edmonton. Even like I, I don't know how they did it in Pittsburgh. I don't know what the magic is with Crosby, but guys just seem to just keep wanting to go there, wanting to go to Pittsburgh, play with Crosby, play with Malkin, and all those They've players because they're winners. When you're a winner, you want you you want to feel that just like it's you know whether you're going to Chicago or going to you know Tampa Bay and and taking less money to play on those teams. That's where that's where you're going to have an, an opportunity to win. Right now, McDavid has not won anything. He's won mm-hmm. scoring titles, but those are individual things. Okay, and he Beyond wants Dreisling. to win. He and wants, he wants to, to win. win. He wants yes. to win. But to go to go to Edmonton, which when I played in the league and Petey played in the league, I think you can attest to this too. Andrew is Edmonton was one of the worst or or the least destination spot that you would want to play. They were in a, they were in a top five in the national. By far Edmonton was the least desired place to go and play. Yeah. And now you have, you know, two of the greatest players in the game, but in order to win championships, you need a full team, you know, mm-hmm. and I just look at this. I'm like, I couldn't tell you who's even on the second and third line here. That's the problem with this, with this hockey team. When we talked about back in the day, whether it was the late nineties or the two thousands, and we talked about the, the, the Detroit Red Wings. Yes. We talked about, you know, um, you know, whether it was way back in Larry Onoff, Shanahan, you had all those guys, or you you knew who their fourth line was, mm-hmm. right? You knew Chris Draper, Kurt Mulpey, and Darren McCarty. Mm-hmm. You knew those guys, and they were playing 
literally on the best team in the National Hockey League. Detroit Red Wings did not win all of those championships just because of their top two lines. I'm telling you this. They won because of the depth throughout their lineup. And when you have a fourth line that was so nasty and tenacious and and killed penalties and were physical and did all of that brunt work but still had offensive abilities that's when you knew how great that team was you look at the Edmonton Oilers I couldn't tell you right now who's on that fourth line I couldn't even tell you who's on the third line (laughs) that's where they need to fix that's where you need to fix it Let's uh, speaking of championships, let's let's shift gears here. World Juniors were canceled due to COVID outbreak. Um, you know, I, Elliot, I've talked to a few people that that are not obviously working for the IIHF, but it just sounds like from the beginning that it, the whole thing was kind of you know mishandled with the players being in in you know everyday hotels with uh, weddings and so on and so forth going on, and um, you know everyone's family around and. It, I mean, what are they? What are they going to do about this? I mean, I guess they're not going to do anything about it. But what, what a what a huge loss for all these young players that this could be the 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 furthest that they ever get in in their you know there are some players on Canada that we'll see again in the NHL, but there are some other players in this tournament that this is their the pinnacle of their career. Yeah, I, I felt terrible for those kids. You know, some of it was not preventable. You know, just in terms of Omicron, just the way it completely overwhelmed the world. I, I, I don't, you know, if you go back a month, guys, we didn't know what we were in for here. No, nobody did. Um, so some of it was out of their hands, but it also seems like some of it was they didn't do a good enough job of keeping the players away from the general public, right? Um, and you know, I, I think it became obvious once it ha- started to Omicron started to go, you were going to have to keep players away from the general public. It was their only chance. But, you know, like the other thing, too, is I heard is I heard the referees got really or the officials really got hammered bad. And there was a possibility they were going to lose all of them, too. It just became apparent that they were going to get to a point where they were not going to be able to keep this thing going. Um, I think they'll find a way to do it. I, I think they will. I, I think that some of these uh, federations are going to start this week looking into, you know, how can we uh, put this on a bit later? Um, I think it would be very interesting to see, would they do it before the draft? Would they do it after the draft? Um, you know, Ron McLean had an idea. Maybe you put it on in the afternoon of the Stanley Cup final or some of the off nights during the Stanley Cup final before the draft. Um, there are, that way you can give um, some players some chances to play some high intensity hockey uh, right before the NHL draft. It can help their. Stock. So they still want to try to get this thing. I do. Finished. I, I do think that there's going to be attempts to do that. Now it always comes down to money, but you know, I I, I do think that there are going to be conversations about. There's that, going to yes. be some backlash on some of those other tournaments that were canceled, the women's tournaments, and well, you know, I think they, they're going to try to do. I think they're going to try to do the same thing with that too. Uh, I, you know, for example, both USA Hockey and uh, the Ontario Hockey, the Ontario Women's Hockey Federation have said that they would like to host it. 
you know, one of the things, and you learn the world is run by lawyers, right? And one of the things that lawyers talk about is the proper use of words. And double IHF, there's apparently a big difference between cancellation and postponement. Cancellation means that um, the double IHF is off the hook. Postponement means that the double IHF is still financially on the hook. And I'm told that that's a reason that lawyers make a lot of money because they make sure the proper wording gets used. Okay, so let's you. I, I have a question. If this um, if this World Junior Tournament was played in Michigan, is it canceled? That's a great question. I think what it comes down to is, Craig, you know, these are some of these kids are minors. How would you feel about it? They're the most healthy uh, people on the planet, Elliot. Yeah, you know, I think there's certainly people who feel about the feel that, that way too, and at times I do also. I, I don't deny that. I think that again, in a world that's run by lawyers, they Pol- often politicians. They often, they, well, no, the politicians have no idea what they're doing. Lawyers actually do. I think <laughs> in a lot of cases, um, lawyers will say that you always have to govern by the worst case scenario, right? Mm-hmm. So I don't know if it, if it was, I I'd say there, I'd say if it was in Michigan, there would be a better chance of it going on, but I wouldn't say it's a guarantee. So what, so what happens now in Canada with the, with the NHL and all the rules there? I mean, Quebec has a 10 o'clock curfew. Yeah. Um, you know, where, where are we going to see it? I mean, I just, I keep going back to the business side of the game and I cannot, I, you know, being a former player rep for just a few years and you learn about the value of HRR and every single dollar that goes in to hockey revenue. I don't know that that, well, I mean, I'm sure they can, but how much more of a blow can the players and the league and everybody associated with HRR, the agents, how much can they, how much more of a blow can they take um, before something drastic happens? Uh, I don't know. I, I think it's a great question. You know, one of the things that we're seeing right now is, you know, I, I had players saying, you know, in Canada on Friday night, watching the college football games, like the two bowl championship semifinals in front of big crowds and, you know, sending texts saying, you know, what are we doing here? And, you know, but if you publicly say that, there's fierce, fierce pushback. And, you know, I saw Andrew Raycroft tweeted, tweeted the other day, showed a game in the States, the game in Canada, and said, is this in the same league? And, you know, look, like, we just heard what Craig had to say. You talk to 100 people, you're going to get 100 different positions. This is, a, you know, this is... People are worn out. They're tired. They're, they have COVID fatigue. Everybody's got COVID fatigue. It's leading to all this craziness online. No matter what you do, people are going to hate you for it. I think what's going on up here, though, Andrew, is that once uh, this, the third week of January comes around, the league is going to say, we don't have any more room to postpone games. If we want to finish the regular season at the end of April, and they do, they do not want to extend it then you're going to have to play no matter what. And I think that's kind of where we are right now. And the Canadian government isn't going to care about fans in the stands or HRR, are they? I mean, it's no, just, 
So I we're mean, looking they, at potentially made, more games without fans. They've made some exceptions. Uh, there, there's no question. They've allowed the teams some rights at times that they haven't given to everyone else, but not when it comes to this. I, I don't see that. So has there been changes to the um, league COVID protocol and how they're going to deal with, um, you know, s- players with symptoms or how they're testing? Well, basically, if you saw the CDC, yeah. they're, they're adopting it. And even some of the Canadian provinces have adopted that, which I'm surprised about. I was shocked by that. Yeah. So no I. PCR tests so, for people without symptoms, right? Well, you, can, you can't get them here uh, anyway. Yes. Like right yeah. now in Ontario, you can't get one. Uh, I Okay. So let's change gears again. Uh, you know, there was that hit uh, uh, Bennett on Paquette and he was suspended a couple games. I don't necessarily want to talk about the hit in particular. Mm-hmm. I want to talk about the board of governors meetings and I want to talk about these hits. Are they discussed these these open ice uh, hits? Um, I mean, are are we ever going to see a point where these hits are taken out of the game of hockey, where they're telling Sam Bennett go and play the puck? Craig, I know you're not in favor of this. I know you love hard nosed hockey and you want to see these bone crushing hits. Yeah, I just watch crushing hit. I just well, it's 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 head jarring. Yeah, it's head jarring, which is worse than bone crushing in my so opinion. So you're not to you take watch out body movie. contact if you don't want head jarring. Well, I mean, well, maybe, Sam Bennett was not going in to make that hit to the I head. I guess we are going to talk about the hit, Elliot. <laughs> <laughs> no, but I, I, do, you, do you understand my question? I mean, like, we're just making matters worse by just not eliminating these hits. I mean, you're, you're, you're putting every single open ice hit on display um, just by having it. And I just wonder if conversation well, did hit him in the head. For sure. Yeah. Like, like look, like Truba hammered two players, Kara, who thankfully is back playing because yeah. that looked really bad, and McKinnon, and nothing because they were clean hits. You know what the thing is, Andrew, is that when you guys played, there were 10 hits like that a game. Now there's 10 hits like that a year. And I, I also think in the social media era, people, people have trouble handling injuries. Like nobody wants to see people get hurt, and now whenever someone's injured in any sport, um, it's it's a look at Antonio Brown yesterday, and that's not an injury; that's a different situation. But look at what a big deal it becomes immediately. Yeah. Like everything becomes a big deal, and you either get caught up in all of it or you get desensitized to all of it. And I think because there are so few big hits anymore in the NHL. Every time one happens, it becomes a thing. Now, I was surprised he got three games, but I did think he got the head. Yep. Oh, yeah. I can, I yeah. can handle one game. and I'll shut my mouth, and I won't say another word. But three games for that hit is, to me, it's just, I, again, like I scratch my head, and I just, I, I, I literally feel that I am such a minority or, or, or a dinosaur when it comes to all these hits there's difference if there's targeting and he is not targeting. He went to make a body check. It's not like his elbow is up. He came in with his arm tucked down. Paquette's looking at his, uh, at his skates and has his head down and he's in a vulnerable position. I think that's what they're trying to take out of the game is players that are vulnerable. Right. And it's just, for me, it's too much, too much. Three games for that hit is too much. Well, the one thing I do wonder about, uh, 
and I just thought of it while you were talking there was he was suspended a game in the playoffs last year for a hit from behind. And generally they feel that a playoff game is worth two games in the first round. So I wonder if they're saying you got caught for a reckless play last, last year. Here's another one. Here's your, yeah. And so, and that does matter if they decide. And, yeah, absolutely. Repeat offenders. You gotta, you yeah. gotta, you know, you gotta show them that, Hey, this is not going to be acceptable, but mm-hmm. you, you brought up, um, Antonio Brown. That was Craig actually wanted to lead the show with that, but you had the you had the question about the Heritage Classic that I wanted to give you the floor for. Mm-hmm. Uh, what'd you think about that? This guy's troubled, man. This guy's troubled, and I'll tell you, I hope the I hope that someone tries to uh, if he's even open to it, but he needs some help. Well, that's what um, I you know obviously that's what Brady said, and that's also what um, you know the great center, the Hall of Fame center from the Pittsburgh Steelers, Mike Webster who had a lot of um, unfortunate uh, concussion. Concussion led to a lot of issues for him later in life. He was a great player, a Hall of Famer. Um, his son went on Twitter and said the same thing, that he needs help. Um, you know, I I also, I take a look at it and I see a situation where, um, you know, you almost have to stop giving him opportunities to play. You have to put him in a situation where he can get help, but you might have to say, he can't play football because a, we can't depend on you and B um, it's almost blocking you from getting that help. Like that's one of the situations where, and one of the guys I know who really tries a lot about this is Glenn Healy, who runs the alumni <laughs> who says it to people and says to the league and the players association, maybe a player's career is done, but that doesn't mean they don't need help. And we have an obligation to help those people. And that's where I kind of look at Antonio Brown right now. Yeah. Yeah. I, yeah. Well, I mean, I just look, we know, we know the, uh, the cliche, right? Like, uh, you know, when, when you're out of the game, you don't matter anymore type thing. And I, just, yes. I, 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 I just hope that this is, this is front and center. It's so front and center, and it has been for a couple of years now that it's it's almost it's almost unavoidable. It's almost to the point where I'm sitting here thinking, okay, number one, exactly what you said. How is he still getting jobs? And number two, like in, in terms of playing, and number two, how is somebody not now he has to be he has to be receptive to help, but can I he just, be picked up? Can he be picked up right now if a team wanted him? Uh, yeah, he he could, but. That's to me, that's the part of the problem is that you're saying, okay, there's going to be no punishment for this behavior. Um, we're just going to pick you up. Then that convinces a person they don't need help. That's a fair point. It's a fair point. What's the, uh, what's the big news going in the blog tomorrow, other than the heritage classic temperatures and the ice? I don't know yet. I'm going to start calling around to figure out, um, you know, we'll see what, what goes on here. Um, you know, pretty soon, uh, I mean, I assume Michael's coming back soon. Hmm. What's the timetable on that? Well, he's supposed to go back to rejoin the... the so is he uh, still in Carolina? I think so. It's going to check today. How, how much... Uh, how, how, when you talk about Eichel, the, the only thing I think about is that disc replacement surgery, and I just... I wonder, the whole... The whole medical world is going to be watching to see Tyler, how Tyler Johnson too. Yeah, well, uh, yeah, but he's he's a little further behind in the timetable, isn't yeah, he? Yeah, but he's skating with the Blackhawks. He's around there. 
Um, you know, like guys, like this, to me, this is no longer an Eichel Buffalo thing. It's simply a quality of care. I hope it works thing. That, uh, you know what? Same, same here. I mean, yeah. it would be, it would be a shame uh, for a talent like that to have to disappear from the game because of a neck injury. So, yes. so soon. I mean, like uh, love him or hate him here in Buffalo. It doesn't matter. We're talking about one of the best talents that we've seen in, in years. If you're a Buffalo fan, that means you're a hockey fan. And if you're a hockey fan, you want the best players in the world to be skating on the ice. And, you know, it did not work out uh, here in Buffalo. And it's not from Jack Eichel not giving, you know, what he could to try and, you know, right the ship here. And listen, there was mistakes made on both sides. But we, I just want to see Jack Eichel back. I want to see him back. I want to see him playing at a high level. I yeah. want to see, because you know what? It allows me as a Buffalo fan here, okay? And, you know, to watch my former teams that I, that I played on. But it also allows me to watch the Vegas Golden Knights a little bit closer, okay, mm-hmm. now because of, of Jack Eichel and, and what he's, uh, what he's going to do out there. And I, I hope he plays well. I hope he does well. I wish all the best for Jack. Last thing I'll ask you, Elliot, before we let you go, tell okay. me who wrote this. The NHL and NHLPA can change the rules of the CBA, add a taxi squad so they don't miss any games and don't lose any money, which has already been agreed upon that the players will, will pay back and escrow until the owners are made whole from what they have lost during this pandemic, regardless how many games are missed. Yet they can't do a taxi squad during the Olympics so they can honor the agreement they made so the NHL players can go. Please tell me that's not bullshit. And for all of you who want, I'm sorry, I'm reading this on a small, for all of you, uh, and for all of you who want to pipe back about forfeiting pay while being gone, yeah, not a problem. Let the players make their choice. I know who that is. That's Marchand. Yep. Um, first Will of that all, be heard by the league and the PA? Yeah, I, they definitely heard it. You know, it certainly got amplified enough. Um, you know, first of all, I don't have a problem. We always say athletes are too boring with what they say, and then we rip them when they say anything. So mm-hmm. I, I have no problem with what Marchand said. I think it's too simplistic, uh, unfortunately, in some ways. Um, I wonder how, you know, for example, you know, how would the Bruins feel? Marchand, they're in a battle to make the playoffs this year. Their math is good. They got a lot of games in hand. But, you know, how would the Bruins feel if they went, I don't know, 0-6 while he was away in some – because there's no way anybody on the taxi squad is going to be as good as Brad Marchand. So how would you feel if you were 0-6 while he was away at the Olympics? It's – uh, you know, the one thing that happened here, and I don't know, you know, Andrew, you were uh, a player rep. I don't so know. So was Craig. So was Craig. Oh, okay. I didn't know, Craig, you were too. Yeah, um, Montreal. You know, what? I don't know what happened here. I don't know if the players weren't, uh, didn't do a good enough job of, of understanding what the deal was or they, or the Players Association didn't do a good enough job of telling them. The players thought it was going to be their choice, and that was what the deal was supposed to be. But... The league did say, look, if we get too many cancellations and people can't go, we're going to have to pull back. And that was agreed to. And that's what the league did. And I don't know. I guess people like Marchand didn't didn't know about it. Um, I don't know. I mean, I understand his frustration. It's his one chance to play in the Olympics. I get it. Um, But. You know, at the end of the day, the league, the, the league finances, I guess, have to come first, whether the, whether he likes it or not. It's hundred percent. It's the like, deal listen, they made. 
I understand that as a player, you know, mm-hmm. I understand that, you know, Brad Marchand, this is probably his, his last opportunity that he will have to play in an Olympics. That being said, what's happening right now around the world and everything with, with that's COVID related, it just does not make sense to, even if you, you had the opportunity to make a decision, I mean, to go over there and chance that you could be there from three to five weeks in quarantine in China, if you, if you test positive, I mean, I just think that, that to me is a selfish act. That's not and a chance I'd be willing to take. Exactly. No. No, no chance. So, listen, I understand his frustration. And I understand that he's allowing his frustrations to come out through the media, which is, you know, fine. But mm-hmm. I, I just look at all of, you know, Petra Angelo was concerned with this too and said, you know, this just doesn't make sense. If we're going to, if we're in a situation where we're going to have to quarantine for three to five weeks, mm-hmm. it doesn't How would you sense. feel, Elliot? Because you'd probably be over there covering it, wouldn't you? I wasn't going over. If I was going to work the Olympics this year, I was going to work it from here. Okay. You know what, you know what I actually said was if I was a young single guy on a terrible team, um, I would, I would go. Yes, hundred <laughs> percent. Get all the young single guys on terrible teams and send them to the Olympics. You know, the tough thing is though. For example, like the other thing too is like if you saw Stamkos, who who had, does have a gold medal, even though he couldn't play because of injury, he basically said he was going. Um, like I think if you discuss it with your family and your and your wife is okay with it, then you know that's only that's your decision. But this is coming else. from a guy who's won two Stanley Cups. Okay. But he's never played at the uh, and has never played in the Olympics. Has never played at the Olympics. Like I think, like honestly, like I got to tell you something. If, if I was if I was married and whether with or without kids, my wife would have a big say on whether I went or not. Um, the other thing too is if I played for a team that was really good or battling to make the playoffs, and you knew making the playoffs was meaningful. Like I'll tell you guys a story. In 2018, when the when the when the NHL didn't go. CBC offered me to go to the Olympics and host hockey and Sportsnet said, if you want to go, you can go, you can leave the broadcast team and you can go. And at the, I, I really agonized over it because I, I love the Olympics and I want to cover as many Olympics as I can, but I felt it was the wrong thing to do was leave my primary employer and leave the group of people I work with. And so I decided not to go and it was an agonizing decision and it sucked but I just think you have a responsibility to your number one employer and your teammates. And uh, that's why I couldn't go in that situation. And look, if, if the NHL was not playing and it was up to the individual players, which is what the players understood it was going to be, I've got no problem with Brad Marchand doing that. But if it was me, I couldn't leave my team. I just don't think I could. Elliot, thanks for the time, man. Appreciate it as always. My pleasure, guys. Have a great week. Did you guys I, coordinate the ACDC shirts? That's the question. No, that was was there, were there hidden texts going back and forth? No, I got my ACDC shirt underneath here. No, let's did go. Not. Yeah. All right. Happy Thanks New Year, Elliot. Happy, Happy New, New Year. Year, guys. My pleasure. That's a wrap on another episode of After the Whistle. Don't forget to follow us on Twitter, After the Whistle, and at Craig Reve 52 at the Instigator76. And you can find us, as you already know, on Apple, Spotify, and YouTube, and anywhere else where you can get your podcasts. Thanks for tuning in. Don't forget to spread the word.